You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Whether you need a battery for your truck or batteries for your trail cameras, Interstate Batteries has the batteries for your everyday life. Stop into a local retail location. They have thousands upon thousands of them all over the United States. Or go and visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast. I am your host, John Hutsmith, and I am feeling so much better than I have the last couple weeks. Finally kind of kicking this COVID thing in the butt. Uh, you know, all my symptoms and stuff were gone last week. I just didn't have really any of my energy. Um, I still can't say I'm quite 100% at my normal energy level, but I'm probably at like 95. Like, I'm pretty darn close. I feel like if I could just get a good couple nights of sleep... I'd probably be over it, but uh, man, I've just been busy, and uh, this coming weekend, I have way too many planes to rest, and so I am headed out to the ranch. Um, I'm going to be doing some food plot prep, um, checking some cameras that don't seem to be working, um, you know, filling a couple more feeders that I didn't get filled on my last trip out there, and uh, there's just no rest for the weary, <laughs> so I am not going to listen to my body. I'm going to listen to my mind, and my mind wants to get out there and get ready for hunting season. So that's what I'm going to do this weekend, and uh, as of right now, I don't have any regrets about that. We'll see how I feel you know, Sunday night and Monday morning at work, but, uh, but yeah, very excited. And so uh, uh, unfortunately, my brother's been really busy, and uh, he wasn't able to get my food plot sprayed, our our food plot sprayed, I should say, not just mine. Um, so uh, I'm going to have to do that, but uh, you know, I'm just going to spray them and plant them in the same day. Not too worried about that. It would have been nice to have it done in advance, but uh, that's just not how the cookie crumbled. And so uh, he was also not able to get seed. Um, we harvested some oats, um, and he was hoping to go pick them up, but he didn't get to. And so I'm also going to have to go do that. And so, uh, like, in totality, I need to spray my plots, I need to get the seed, and I need to plant them. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get all that done in one weekend, just because, like, like there's fertilizer in the sprayer that I need to use. So I'm going to have to pump out the fertilizer so I can put the chemical in there to spray the plots. Um, our drill is at a different property, so I'm going to have to go to the other property and drive the tractor and drill over to the right property. Um, I have to go, in order to go get the seed, I need to go pick up a seed box, which is at our old property, like 45 minutes away. And so I just, I have a lot of prep work to do before I can do any of the real work. And so, like I said, I just, I'm not sure I can get that all done in a day and a half this weekend. Um, but I'm sure it's going to try. And then whatever I don't get done, I'll probably be able to get up there the following weekend. I think that's like the 18th or something. And, uh, you know, I should have all the prep work done. I'm thinking, you know, worst case, I just have to run up there, run out there on Saturday and, uh, and actually plant everything. And, you know, still plenty of time before the season. In all honesty, that might even be better, you know, give the chemicals some time to work, um, get that stuff, you know, killed. And, uh, and yeah, like I said, still plenty of time before the season, probably even cool off a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so that's my plan for this upcoming weekend. Super excited about it. Uh, like I said, uh, one of my cameras, my uh, Cuddy Link, I, I had my home camera out there already. And then I added uh, some of the cell link cameras. And for some reason, when I added those cell link cameras, I stopped getting pictures from the home camera. So I don't know if the batteries were too far gone. I should have put fresh batteries in it. Or if maybe I messed up on the settings um, on the link cameras. 
but I'm not getting any pictures from those. And so got to check on those, spray my plots, plant my plots. And, um, yeah, so that's about it. It doesn't sound like a lot when you say it like that, but there's a whole lot that goes into all that. And so that's what I'm going to be doing this weekend. And, uh, and I just can't wait guys. I mean, we're like what, three weeks out, something like that. Um, I think I mentioned this, uh, a long time ago on the podcast. I don't know if I've mentioned it recently, I actually will be out of town uh, the first weekend, opening weekend, uh, for a wedding. I, I have three weddings in October, guys. I just got invited to my third one, a cousin. So I have a wedding the first weekend, the second Thursday, and then the third Friday. And so this first one on opening weekend is an old college buddy in Idaho. So I'm flying up to Idaho for him, getting to see all my old friends. And then come back, uh, like I will be able to hunt the second and third weekend. The second weekend will be a full weekend because that wedding's on Thursday. But then that following weekend, that wedding is on Friday. And so still got to figure out if I can, you know, drive out there after the wedding on Friday or if I'm going to have to wait till uh, Saturday morning to drive up there. But I do plan to hunt that weekend. It just, I'm not sure if I'm going to get a full weekend or not. And so, man, October weddings, guys, they're killer. I don't know what it is, but. For some reason, these days, girls think that the only month out of the entire year you can get married is October. And uh, so, yeah, but I can't say too much. My anniversary is actually in October because my wife was one of those women. Um, and so, but my wife's birthday is also in October. And so we got married that same week. And so basically I got to make her happy with an October wedding and I kind of get to do a one, two punch with the anniversary and her birthday. So it doesn't affect me that much. Um, so yeah, but, uh, yeah, like I said, I just don't know if I've mentioned that in a while, so I'm going to miss opening weekend, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'm trying to think what else, man. Uh, I was looking at duck decoys this week. I got some uh, Cabela's points saved up, burning a hole in my pocket. And so I was looking at duck decoys because I, I haven't bought new decoys in at least a decade. And so a lot of mine are faded and old and uh, broken. A couple of them have you know cracks and holes in them. So definitely time for some new decoys. Um, what else was I looking at? I don't remember. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, I'm just, I'm so ready for the season guys and we're so close. So, but, uh, anyway, this week's podcast, this, it's a good one. You know, like I always say, um, I'm talking to an old buddy of mine, Charles Admire. And, uh, this guy, he's literally known me since I was like three years old. So he's actually in my brother's class. Um, so he's a little bit older than I am, not much, but, uh, they lived down the street from us growing up. Uh, he went to kindergarten with my older brother and, um, yeah, so we've kind of grown up together. Uh, he has a fairly similar story to mine. Um, and we'll get into all that later. I always, I always ruin the podcast in the intro, so I'm going to shut up now, but, uh, but yeah, you guys, it's going to be just a good old fashioned BS session. You know, me and him go way back. I'm sure we'll tell some stories, uh, talk a few tactics, and I'm hoping he doesn't tell too many stories about me from the past. So that is what we have in store for you this week. I hope you guys are excited. I hope you guys are pumped. And, uh, yeah, continue to shoot your bows, shoot your rifles, shoot your muzzle loaders, shoot your crossbows, shoot your pistols or your slingshots, whatever you're going to be hunting with. Be getting ready. Um, oh, I should throw this in there real quick. I got my, um, my Vector Custom Shop arrows. Uh, you know, we had Isaac on a few weeks ago, and uh, I've been shooting them. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. The consistency is just insane. I, I posted about that on Instagram. Like, it's so crazy. Like, I mean, not only do they shoot good, 
But uh, something I didn't really notice until my brother brought it up. My brother also ordered some, has been shooting. Uh, but like, like the arrows go into the target like the exact same amount every single time. And I, I don't know if that's just because they weigh the exact same or they shoot the, you know, they're shooting completely straight as opposed to some arrows that will can't or something. But, uh, man, they are just super nice. And so if you haven't ordered some Vector Custom Shop arrows, you need to get on that because they're very busy. Um, and, yeah, we're running out of time. So, okay, enough about that. Um, yeah, here is my podcast with my good old friend, Charles Admire. Hey everybody, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, and today we have a very special guest, Mr. Charles Admire. How are you, Charles? I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Uh, for those of you, uh, yeah, for those of you listening, Charles and I go way back. Um, I think I mentioned in the intro. I think I'm get, I'm guessing you've known me since I was about three. Man, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cause- yeah, because we started, your brother and I started going to school together, and then, yeah, I guess it was three. Yeah, uh, y'all lived right down the road from us uh, for most of our childhood, and uh, so yeah, so we go way back, and uh, um, so yeah, but before we jump in, I, I was about to go into our questions here, but before we go too far, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Charles? Um, well, you know my name already, Charles Admire, and... Uh, Man, I like to uh, get outdoors, hunt and fish a little bit. Um, went to Texas A&M University, live in Texas, so a little bit, I guess, out of out of Oklahoma. But uh, married a girl from Oklahoma, so I enjoy the state very much and love getting up there and hope to be hunting and fishing up there more uh, in the coming years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you spend a little time in the military, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I... Uh, I was in the Marine Corps as a uh, as an artillery officer, and so um, yeah, enjoyed my time there. Got to got to see a, a little bit of a deployment, and so yeah, love the Marine Corps. Yep. But uh, I guess I got out. Let's see, uh, would have been November of twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And uh, I just want to uh, awkwardly shout that out. You know, want to make you feel appreciated and everything. And, uh, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, it just hit me. You've actually been on the podcast before. Uh, you went on our elk trip last year and we're on our, uh, w- uh, the podcast that we did, uh, coming home that year. Yeah, man. So, man. Yeah, that was my, uh, my first Western state time. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed the heck out of it. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I forgot. This is your second time. You're, you're old news. So, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, um, so, you know, one thing that, uh, we have in common is we have pretty similar backgrounds when it comes to hunting. Uh, you know, neither of us came from like super hardcore, you know, hunting families. Uh, you know, my dad grew up doing a little bird hunting and stuff. I think your dad was kind of the same. You know, I think y'all did some dove hunting and stuff growing up. But uh, so before we really jump into this stuff, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of what got you into the outdoors? You know, what got you outside? Well, you know, I guess watching Westerns as a little kid kind of turns everyone on into adventure and stuff like that. And, you know, um, I don't know. I, I guess I always wanted to be outside. Um like you said, my dad took his dove hunting and whatnot, but really, uh, there was a, uh, uh, a colleague of his who had some land in West Texas. And, um, and I think that was my first deer hunt. And after that I was hooked. Mm-hmm. So, 
um, deer hunting, I mean, like you is like my first love and everything else kind of, I guess, precipitates from that, you know, um, don't get me wrong. I still love to duck hunt and everything. And there have been points where I duck hunted more. There were, you know, some times where really I, all I could do in a certain year might be to hog hunt, which, um, actually I've recently, that's what I like doing a lot. I got a couple good hogs last year and found out some good ways to fix them. I know a lot of people, you know, don't, don't do that, but, uh, dove into some couple different, uh, a couple different, uh, cookbooks that had a few recipes that I was like, you know, there's a lot of meat here and I don't want it to go to waste. And man, that's really reinvigorated, not just my love for, for hog hunting, but for all kinds of hunting. I mean, it's pretty nice to be able to give your wife a little bit of a break and fix some good meals. And there's plenty of good resources out there to do that. So, I think I've rambled a little bit, but really what sparked everything was, you know, wanting to be outside and kind of want adventure. And it seems like hunting is one of the best ways to do that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. No, that's cool. Cause, uh, you know, one thing that is different between you and I, I kind of came from an ag background. And so, uh, you know, even though my family weren't big hunters, I always had places to go hunt. Um, and you know, you just kind of not coming from that big ag, ag ground, uh, you know, it's hard to find, you know, growing up in Texas and stuff, Texas is very privatized. It's hard to find places to go deer hunting. And so, but it is cool that, you know, you found an outlet, you know, most people are a little more uh, accepting of hog hunting stuff. So it's really cool that you were able to find a, find a way to keep, you know, still get out there and do some hunting. Oh yeah. And I mean, you know, there's so many people that I could attribute that. I mean, just like, just like y'all, there were opportunities for me to get out uh, and do those things on, on friends places. And, you know, uh, in fact, it was a, it was a buddy's, uh, a buddy's dad's old bow, uh, a mutual friend of ours, his dad's old bow is the first, uh, first deer I shot with a bow. And I think that year I used an old bear from like the late eighties to shoot like two or three, uh, does and, boy my family loved that my my mom and dad loved venison even though my dad's not a big hunter and so i don't know after that that's getting back i guess what got me into it was mm-hmm. um but also kept me going with it was a lot of friends offering opportunities to you know to use some land that you know otherwise i wouldn't have had access to mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. gotcha well you know speaking of hogs that's a good segue this is like kind of a random thing but i just i really wanted to find some way to bring it up and so, uh, you are personal friends with, uh, an individual who is very near and dear to a lot of Oklahomans. Uh, he's a, a social media influencer slash now Netflix, uh, star. Uh, you are very good friends with the one and only Dale Brisby. And, uh, <laughs> and in fact, you were there for one of his, I, I don't know if it was his first, but one of his first big videos. Uh, that involved, uh, you know, some hogs. So I'm, I'm going to shut up now and let you take that away. I think you know which story I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Dale, you know, he's a real character. I mean, obviously seems like everyone knows him now, but, uh, we, we went to college together and we we're good buddies and rodeoed together a little bit. I was not very good at all. Um, and, and Dale's a hand, but, um, we had, we had trapped some hogs and this is, kind of when he was starting to do, you know, the social media thing. And the next thing you know, he was like, hey, let's go see if we can rope these hogs. And uh, 
Oh man, the uh, the video was it was a lot of fun to make, and he he made it look a lot easier than <laughs> uh, than what it actually was. But we had a ton of fun. I mean, we were just afoot and um, and trying to trying to figure out how to get a loop on on that front end that was hanging real low. And I'm sure there's tons of people listening to your podcast that are probably like, yeah, well, if you know what you're doing with the rope, then <laughs> you know you probably could have made it a lot easier than what y'all did, but. Who knows? We had a lot of fun with it. And so, yeah, Dale, I mean, it's just awesome what he's been able to do. And that Netflix show coming out has just blown my mind. It's it's absolutely great for him and couldn't have happened to a better individual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just had to throw that out there. I don't know. I just think it's cool and uh, very jealous of that relationship. And I'm sure a lot of our <laughs> listeners are, too. So. But, um, yeah. But yeah, all right. Well, it's time to jump into the meat and potatoes here. We kind of got the, uh, you know, got the prerequisites out of the way. Um, so one of the, or probably the main thing I want to talk about this episode is you are currently this year getting into the mobile hunting game. Um, and yeah. uh, if any of our uh, listeners are, you know, follow my social media, you probably saw a picture of me hanging out of a tree saddle a few weeks ago. And that was actually your tree saddle that I was trying out. It was the first time I'd ever been in one. Um, and you bought one. You've been getting used to it. So um, before we really jump into that, uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, why the mobile game? Why are you trying to go mobile? Okay. Uh, I'll back up just a little bit. So my dad, a little bit before he retired, he retired, oh, about a year ago now. Um, but a little bit before he retired, he and my mom, um, bought a little land in central Texas. And, uh, and so we, you know, hunt and fish on it and, you know, recreate generally out there and, um, you know, trying to figure this place out. There's one, I'm talking honey hole, you know, um, it's three out of four years. We have, uh, we've killed deer there, um, killed, gosh, probably a dozen hogs, you know, from that stand and everything else. But it seems like, um, it seems like the other, the other sign that I see and, and each time I think, you know, this will be another good spot. Um, and, and it's not a huge place. And so it's not like there are that many spots to, to have, and I don't want to ha- have stands just sitting on top of one another, but I, I like to have, you know, kind of what you've talked about and in talking with you, you know, off the podcast is really to have conditions set right, you know, with, with wind and, in uh, my favor and everything else. And, um, so all of that rambling, that's what kind of got me started. Hey, how could I, um, how could I hunt some different places during season when patterns change? Cause I'll get some great pictures, you know, of wonderful, you know, uh, looking bachelor groups, and then I might only see, you know, three or four of those deer sporadically throughout the season. Um, but it seems like when I would see them in different places during the season, they'd hit that spot, you know, two or three days in a row. So I guess my game plan for attacking them um, was being a little bit more mobile. So um, two years ago, I bought a, an XOP stand Um that are pretty, pretty similar to those lone wolf stands, mm-hmm. you know, real easy to set up with a nice set of sticks. Um, and I set those up and, and those are great. I think they're absolutely wonderful. But what I found out about our place is we don't have being in such central Texas, we don't have a bunch of straight trees mm-hmm. and the trees that we have that are straight aren't necessarily real big. And so, um, 
I mean, nominal diameter, you know, uh, for a lot of our trees are going to be like six inches. And that's just, it, it's hard to get those XOP stands sitting right and vertical in the right spot uh, for areas that I might, you know, want to hunt. So it got me thinking, and I know these have been around a while, and where I first saw them was uh, on some message board, and they're like, I don't know if this has always been true or not, but it was a message board for somewhere in like uh, guys hunting in New York or something like that. Hmm. Um, and it was right about the time. Um, I know probably most of your listeners listen to, you know, uh, the Ronella crew and uh, meat eater podcast. And those guys are great. Um, in fact, their, their uh, cookbook is what I cook a lot of the hog recipes out of and just use the ground instead of venison or whatever else. Hmm. Anyway, right about that same time frame is when I saw a lot of them using it and kind of put it in my mind. And anyway, went down the rabbit hole of a bunch of message boards and everything else. Um, and so what I started to see on top of that is that, you know, obviously a lot of these guys use it for uh, public land hunting. But there are ways, you know, trying to minimize scent and everything else where some guys use a single stick to climb. And I was like, well, how do they get those, you know, their equipment down? And, and guys basically set up a rappelling system once they get to the top and then have a little, uh, a little 550 cord uh, strap that they can kind of, you know, just flick real hard and have a, oh, I guess you'd call that a hitch up at the top that loosens and it'll just come down your tree. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the reason I say all this um, is because I, I truly do want it to be as mobile as possible and want to cut down as much scent as I can. And so I figured even if I didn't have, you know, the straps for my, um, the straps for my climbing sticks uh, close to the ground, I would cut down on my scent. Um, anyway, uh, other opportunities, I, I, I kind of put it to the side a little bit because, you know, on a budget and everything else, um, but an opportunity to, to hunt some, uh, some family land came up in Missouri, um, extended family. I got a, I got a uncle who's got a big soybean farm and, and he farms, uh, corn up there too. And he's got a couple stands of trees, but I mean, it's big enough where I'm not going to be able to hunt it, you know, consistently, uh, you know, longer than maybe a long weekend. I just have to be as mobile as possible. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all of that was the impetus for, for the saddle. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up one of the saddle manufacturers had a sale and anyway, saved up my allowance and, uh, and went for it. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. yeah, but now my wife gets embarrassed cause I'll climb up trees in our neighborhood and she's just, <laughs> we'll get looked sideways and she gets embarrassed, but mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. I don't know. It just, it adds a new wrinkle and I think it's a new tool for, for just, you know, those spots that might not be as, um, as established or maybe as well-traveled uh, as the one that we have on the place. Mm-hmm. I, I know I rambled there for a little bit, but, but the tool that I'm using it for is, yeah, moving on our place a little bit, but also for that place in Missouri that I'm not going to get to scout a whole bunch. I'm just going to basically get a long weekend to go hunt in. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only uh, stand I'm going to bring up there. So. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, man, all kinds of questions after that. But uh, um, first, the the one-stick method, that was something I had never seen before. You know, I'd seen saddles. I'd seen a bunch of saddle hunters and stuff. Um, but uh, for those of you who have never heard of it, um, you basically, you know, I mean, 
it is what it sounds like. You use one stick, one climbing stick to get up the tree. So you basically climb your stick, you kind of set your saddle, reach down, grab the stick, set it up above you, get up the tree. And then, uh, and then like you said, you basically set up a rappel system to get down. And, uh, you know, while you're doing that, I guess in my head, I had it that you were doing it for weight, like, you know, less things to carry. Um, I, I didn't even think about the scent factor of it, of, you know, like just, you know, touching the sticks, touching the straps and all that stuff. Um, yeah, you like, you're getting all of that scent off the ground up the tree with you. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't put that together when you were showing me that. Yeah. And you know, I, I don't know if that's just me overthinking things or what, but I figured the, the less cloth was lower, mm-hmm. you know, even if that cloth was, you know, a strap holding that stick on, cause I figured the, the, the metal itself probably wouldn't smell, but, mm-hmm. but maybe the cloth would, I don't know, but you're, yeah. you're exactly right. The, the other big factor is the way, mm-hmm. you know. Gotcha. Gotcha. The uh, the most entertaining part of all that was uh, watching my brother rappel down the tree in front of his children. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Army Ranger figured he didn't need any help. He could figure it out. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Airborne, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, you, you kind of talked about, you know, what led you to buying the saddle, you know, hunting there at your family's place and in the small diameter trees and stuff. But you know, let's say you're going to Missouri, like you talked about, you know, bigger hardwood trees, I'm assuming. And, uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, especially since, you know, you already talked about how you have an XOP stand, what is making you choose the saddle on that hunt over the tree stand? And, you know, this is just kind of like, there's a lot of people having this argument of, you know, light tree stand versus saddle hunting. And it seems like most people are, you know, one or the other. They either love their saddle and they, you know, they think tree stands are things of the past or you love the old school tree stand and you think saddles are stupid. And so, you know, since you're kind of, you know, dealing with both of them, what's going to make you choose that saddle over that tree stand? The thing I like about the saddle for, for that hunt. I'll put it, I'll put it in those terms for that hunt because I, I love them both. Mm-hmm. I think the comfort factor is there more for, for a conventional, you know, hang on stand. Um, but I think the convenience of setting up the saddle is night and day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm big on noise. Uh, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I, 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 I think that I'm making more noise than I'm probably what I'm actually making, mm-hmm. but setting up that saddle is really quiet. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's very quiet, even for someone. I mean, I, I've only been doing it in the off season and, you know, started practicing maybe around Christmas last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after, you know, practicing on and off for nine months, it's a lot easier to set up and take down. Um, and even with being strapped in and everything, and those XOPs are light, uh, or, you know, whatever light, st- uh, Stand you're going to choose whether it's that or Lone Wolf or what is the other one Novix or something like that. Yep, Novix. Um, a few others out there, uh, and those are all great. I love them. I mean, like I said, I, I hunt out of that uh, XOP. It's actually set up as kind of a permanent set for me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, one is I didn't want to break down that set to go up to Missouri to hunt. They're they're my time frame to go up there is going to be pretty short, and so having to take it down from from Central Texas and go up there. Um, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a hassle with the noise, taking it down, then putting it back up. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is I think, I mean, just, just from doing a lot of, um, 
you know, internet study or whatever. And then obviously what I know from going up and visiting, you know, uh, my uncle's place is that, uh, or my aunt and uncle's place, I should say, um, is there's pretty much two places they're going to be and they're about a mile apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to have, you know, I'm not going to be driving through his, his fields or anything. So I'm going to be walking it. Mm-hmm. And it's just a lot lighter to carry, a lot lighter to carry for one, a lot easier to set up for two. Um, the jury's still out on, um, for me, if I'm going to hunt with the, the sticks or not. So I've gone with like, um, I've done away with even the straps for my sticks and I'm using like Amstel, um, daisy chains. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm using. So those are like super quiet too. And I've made them big enough where if that, if the circumference of the tree is eight feet, I can still get it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so whether they're real, real little real or real quick, big, I, I know what you're talking it. about, but can you explain that daisy chain kind of, if you can, for the listeners? Uh, yeah. Um, so Amstel, I'm probably saying it right. It might be Amsteel. I, I don't know. It's one or the other. Um, but it's like, from what I understand, it's the same material to make like winches out of. It's like super, super strong for its weight. Um, and so what you can do is I think the, the one that I bought is like uh, three eighths of an inch in thickness, maybe not even that much, maybe only even a quarter of an inch. Uh, but it's like super thin. And then I just uh, doubled it back on itself, tied it off and then tied a bunch of loops in it. And so I can throw it around the tree and then from the speed button, uh, on my sticks, I just find the loop that's nearest to it, tug down real hard. And, um, there's enough, you know, pressure on that tree. If you get it, you know, relatively tight and then set it before you start climbing Mm -hmm. that you don't have to run through a ratchet strap or anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, and it'll definitely hold you. I mean, those Mm -hmm. things are so strong yeah so basically Uh, like a series of loops and you just kind of put it on the closest one put your weight on the stick and yeah no no ratchet required exactly and so when i have it at the top the only thing that i still have a ratchet for um but i've gone to one of those uh oh i don't even know what you call them uh what binds the uh the strap is just a pull Mm -hmm. you know uh deal and it, it doesn't actually ratchet yeah, uh, yeah that's what i use at the top just because it's a little bit thicker and i don't know makes me feel safer probably isn't any safer but um that's what i use for the actual platform that i stand on when i get to the top gotcha gotcha yeah okay but anyway I... yeah so it cuts down a little bit on on noise and it cuts down on weight and it's just it's it's easier to set up i mean i can be set up in that deal and you know, five minutes. And there's probably tons of people that listen to you that can be set up in their, you know, stands, you know, without having them set up before that could do it in the same amount of time. I'm not that quick. And <laughs> I have dropped a stand before when I'm, when I'm up at the mm-hmm. tree and that's always frustrating. So I figured just do it like this. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. So I'm also interested, you know, just because you are kind of, you know, or you are new to the saddle game and stuff, you know, you've been practicing, which I think is good. I, you know, I hear that a lot from people's, uh, you know, when you get your set up, you know, put it up in the yard and practice getting up and down the tree. It sounds like you've been doing that. So, but as as far as actual hunting, um, you know, you've been just like any other new person would, you know, you've been researching stuff online and watching videos. So out of all the stuff you've researched, basically what has kind of made your final list? Like when you go in for your first hunt with your saddle, what are you bringing with you? So I think first hunt, first hunt with like, just nothing set up on the tree or anything else i'm probably bringing i like hunting high and um i like getting and this is 
probably doesn't need to be said. Probably everyone on here likes hunting high, but um, I like getting above 20 feet. Um, so I have the longer of the climbing sticks, so the three-step climbing sticks, and I'd have four of those uh, and spaced out with a little aider, so a little uh, oh piece of webbing that's tied so that I can have another step on the bottom of that um, and then just reset that each time that I put another stick up to give me basically instead of just three steps four steps so i'd have my four sticks i'd have the aider i'd have my saddle um i would have two different uh ropes so you got your lineman rope when you're setting up as you're going up if you're doing it kind of the conventional way and then um i'm not sure what they call it but just the rope you tie off to once you get to the top that actually has the uh the hitch in it that goes around the tree is, is that your bridge? Uh, no, the bridge is actually on. That's what ties to your bridge. But okay. The bridge is on I'm the saddle. You. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so, but so basically, two different, you know, shorter length rope. Um, even though I've done the single stick thing, um, it's still something that I'm not super comfortable getting up and down. Um, so I'll probably go with all four sticks, the aider. Two different ropes, you know, one alignment rope and one to tie off. Obviously, bow and all the stuff that I use there. And then a platform. And then um, a strap that has a bunch of hooks on it to hang my uh, to hang my pack and bow and stuff like that, you know, on the tree. Um, so I, I, when I'm using that setup, I don't use a, a screw in. I'd use that. And then debating whether or not to bring my camera this year. So we'll see. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I, one thing, you know, I, I love that you brought your saddle and that I got to try it out because, you know, I've been curious about them. The, the concept seems really cool, but, uh, you know, when you just see them, they look goofy. It seems like it would be goofy to stand in. Um, you know, I'll admit it was extremely comfortable. Um, you know, I, I do think, you know, you hear people talk about saddle shape, how you kind of have to, you know, get your feet used to it and your hips used to it and everything. Um, but a, a lot of people, when they see it and they're not real familiar with it, uh, their first question is, how on earth do you shoot a bow out of that thing? And that was definitely mine too. And I really regret not bringing my bow up there to, to shoot out of it because, yes, I liked the saddle. I liked how it felt. But uh even sitting in it, it was a little like how would I – and, you know, they, they call it your offhand shot. Like if you're right-handed shooting to your right, if you're left-handed shooting to your left, like how do you make that shot? And so um, – so we're I don't know, that was kind of a rambling way of talk about shooting out of the saddle. So shooting out of it. Okay. So when you're up there, you're, you can move around the tree, you know, especially if you got a good, um, especially if you got a good platform where you can set your feet, you know, real well first, since there's always tension, um, you know, pulling on uh, what you've tied off to the tree, you know, on that rope that's tied off to the tree, um, you know, connected to your bridge, you know, part of your saddle, um, you're able to brace, you know, actually pretty easily. And so the shot that you're referring to, they got a name for it, and I can't remember it off the top of my head. But if you're shooting to your right, and I'm right-handed, the way that I've seen guys do it is they kind of position their feet where they're – Oh, basically like 
like the outside portion of your left foot would be touching the tree. And so your, your feet are almost like, uh, if toes pointing in is perpendicular to the tree, you're parallel to the tree, if that makes sense. Kind of like standing at attention, but turned to the right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so you're doing that and you're also kind of hiked out from the tree a little bit. So, I mean, your, your butt is kind of, you know, pulling away from the tree. Um, but that, uh, your bridge, since it's not tied off like right in the center, it moves through the carabiner. Mm-hmm. And so what you do is you kind of turn your body a little bit to the side, and then you you take your uh, the hand that's holding the bow, so my left hand, and you put it in between your rope and the tree, and then you can brace that rope on your shoulder. And so it helps. It, it almost locks in your shoulder like a shooting rest, you know, with a rifle or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I've actually found it, it's a little bit easier to brace, you know, once you have everything set and you realize that you're not going anywhere. Um, but I think all that starts with, you know, having a good, having a good uh, platform and having your feet set up right on the platform mm-hmm. and then realizing, hey, I can put my arm here. And the same thing for a shot behind you. You know, for a mm-hmm. shot behind you, you would just do everything in reverse. So for a right-handed shooter, your right foot, you know, butts up to that tree on the outside, and then you're standing at attention the other way with the tree on your right side. And as you draw back, you know, it, it's a little bit harder to, like, brace against that rope, but you can do it. Or you could just, you know, have it pulling against your hips, um, and then you kind of, you know, angle down so you can shoot backwards, which is another benefit that I didn't even bring up before. It's a little bit easier to get shots behind you, mm-hmm. you know, after you've practiced them a few times. Um, you have more of a 360 view without having to stand up and turn around and everything else. When I'm sitting in my, you know, regular stands, my regular hang on stands, uh, I make probably more noise than the average person turning around, uh, cause I can be clumsy, but it, you're, it's actually you're a big boy. You can say you. it. You're a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> Not round. Well, I mean, <laughs> you're very stout. You're just a very big person. <laughs> That, that that's what it is. You uh-huh. know? Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to get you know two thirty moved around. So <laughs> there <right>. you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, that was one thing that I thought. You know, I like I said, I didn't bring my bow, but of course I was still up there pretending like I was shooting a bow. And uh, yeah, like I, you know, being able to kind of roll your hips and let that rope feed through the carabiner, taking a shot directly behind you, to me that's easier than taking a shot to the right. Um, you know. Yeah. And so you know, if you were Especially if you were doing this on like a, uh, not it doesn't even have to be like a private land situation, but just a situation where you have a decent idea of you know where you think the deer are going to come from and where they're headed. Uh, you know, it'd be pretty easy to just kind of set yourself up on that side of the tree to kind of keep everything to your left. You know, and then you know, worst case, if a deer does show up on your other side, you know, you can get around there. It just might not be as easy, but. Uh, you know, to me, the solution would be just kind of always have, you know, like I said, if you're right-handed, just kind of always have your right-hand side being downwind of you, and, you know, you're probably not yeah. going to get a shot there anyway, so, uh, you know. Exactly. Take that out. That, I think, of the ones you brought up, that's probably the harder shot to make. The one behind you is pretty easy, and the one in front of you, uh, pretty easy, and I'm sure there are a lot of people that can make the, the one that's going to their, to their shooting arm side, mm-hmm. you know, they could make it without you know, any problems whatsoever. Guys have been doing it for a long time, but that, that's the one for me that's more challenging than the rest, mm-hmm. but you're exactly right. Gotcha. Gotcha. 
Well, cool, man. Uh, man, we're, we're like kind of on that edge of shutting it down and going a little longer. So I'm going to throw a curveball at you. And uh, uh-huh. <laughs> why don't you just give us one good hunting story to close it out? It can be dove hunting, hog hunting, deer hunting, doesn't matter. Just uh, anything you got on the top of your head. Oh, man, anything. Okay, this is this is a pretty good one. I was hunting. Uh, I was hunting with some buddies, and um, again, I I like all different kinds of huntings. This uh, or situations to hunt in, I should say. And uh, when I was living close to College Station, there was a buddy of mine who had uh, a string of hog dogs, and um, we were hunting one. I guess it was February, and it was it was pretty cold. I mean, nothing like Oklahoma cold, but it was cold enough where there was. Um, you know, we were all layered up pretty good. It was probably in the mid thirties mm-hmm. and, uh, and his dog just, you know, struck, struck a trail and we had chased his hog through thick stuff. I mean, it was, uh, briars and undergrowth and everything else. And we're on a couple of horses and we're, we're running them and his dogs finally bay up and we come through and it's on the other side of this Creek. Well, this Creek is running, I guess that Creek was running North South. And on the south end, I mean, really close to where that hog is baited up on the other side, uh, uh, there's pretty good size um, private lake right there. And we had fished it before, and so, you know, we knew it pretty well. And most of it was pretty shallow, but there was a deep part. And he was like, man, we're going to catch this hog. And I'm like, all right, whatever. And uh, I, I was – you know, it's a group of us, I think it's four or five of us. And someone suggested that, that we go around and, and the guy whose dogs they were, he was like, no, we're, we're going to go. We're, I'll just cross right here. Well, he takes two steps in and next thing you know, both he and his horse go under. And the only mm. thing left on the surface is his hat. <laughs> 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 and we all had a pretty good laugh. Anyway, he ended up, we ended up getting the hog and everything else. Mm. And, uh, I think we actually smoked that one. It's pretty good. Uh, pretty good smoked. We had to marinate it for like 24 hours. Pretty good though. Um, but yeah, that was, it was pretty funny. Mm. Story. Oh, that sounds miserable. I don't care where you are. 32, 34 <laughs> degrees. That's cold. So. <laughs> it was so cold that, that, that was the end of that hunting day. I think we had to dry him off and get him in the truck. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a good one though. Mm hmm. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on this evening, and uh, yeah, like I, I think it's cool to just talk to people, you know, of all experience levels, and so it's really exciting to kind of lead you into this journey. And uh, I'm really excited for you, and I hope you have some good success out of your saddle this season. Heck yeah, man! Mm-hmm. And I'll uh, I'll keep you updated. The, mm-hmm. I will say the cool thing that I saw about saddles that I didn't even think about, you know, talking about Western hunting. I sent it to you earlier today, mm-hmm. but uh, one of the, one of the guys that, that really got me into, you know, being interested in Western hunting, just following his content. He shot a, he shot an elk out of his saddle today. Mm-hmm. One of the, uh, hush guys, yep. get hushing guys, yep. which Eric. is pretty cool. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. That was really cool. And, uh, man, that, that does seem like a, you know, if you can climb up and find a nice little secluded, uh, wallow or something, then yeah, that could very well be the ticket. So. Oh yeah. And it wasn't just like, uh, you know, just a, a spike or a satellite. That was a good bull. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Six by six. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, cool, man. I really appreciate it. 
And, uh, yeah, keep us updated. I'll keep the viewers updated with your success. And I, I really hope you go up there to Missouri and, and lay down a slammer. Oh, dude. Even even if it's, you know, nothing uh, as far as the horns are concerned, they're just so much bigger body than mm-hmm. coming off that corn and soybeans. Mm-hmm. Man, it would, I'd be tickled to get one of those. Yep. Mm-hmm. All righty, sir. Well, good luck to you, and we will talk to you later. All right. Sounds good, man. See ya. See ya. Thank you, Charles, for coming on the show today. Thank you guys for listening. I loved having Charles on. Not only is he you know, a, a good friend of mine from way back in the day and the present, but uh, it's just nice to have some people on who are you know, trying new things, um, you know, pushing through stuff, learning stuff, uh, because that's what this is all about. You know, it's, it's awesome to have somebody who's willing to you know, put in the work, do the research, figure this stuff out so i'm really excited for charles i hope he has some success with his saddle this year it really has me curious i've I've never been that curious about saddle hunting i guess i've been the old school tree stand guy through all this but it just seems like more and more people are just talking about it and uh i guess just relaying the benefits of it you know just like charles was talking lighter uh you know simple quiet uh scent all that good stuff and so yeah thanks again charles for coming on hope you guys enjoyed this once again hunting season is just around the corner so keep uh keep up to date with my social media accounts instagram facebook uh email me and uh hopefully soon i know i keep talking about it i'm going to try to do a little more filming this year than i have in the past and so maybe even some youtube comment uh content coming down down the pipe and uh so yeah look forward to that I hope you guys have a fantastic week, and I will see you guys right back here next week on the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast.